Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 8, I'm not going to be preaching through this chapter. It's just appropriate because we're having communion. It talks about the old covenant compared to the new covenant in Christ. Hebrews chapter 8, going to be reading all 13 verses. The high priest of a new covenant. You know who that is? Jesus. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is a superior to theirs as a covenant of which he is mediator, is superior to the old one, and it is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. So let's open in a word of prayer before we begin. Father, again, we're so thankful to be here, so blessed to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for the health and strength that we can enjoy to be able to be here. We think of others that are not able, wherever they may be, keep them safe, protect them, for those that are traveling, that are not able to be here with us today. Father, give us understanding of your word this morning and speak to our hearts so we can learn something new and apply it in a practical way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start uh, preaching through the book, or teaching through the book of Galatians, starting next week. But today, just in the way of review, and uh, I'm doing a preview of the letter to the Galatians by St. Paul, 
It's just a preview. Okay, it's basically an introduction as we begin the new series, hopefully next week, Lord willing. So Galatians is a very practical book. We need to know how to live in this world, don't we? We are in a minority compared to the rest of the world. We're on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. The majority are on the broad road that leads to destruction. The narrow road and few there that find it. We need to know how to live if you don't know already. It's all written in the book for our edification. It hasn't changed. The word of God will never change. All things will pass away, but my word will never pass away, Jesus said. It's eternal because God is eternal. Amen? Amen. We need to know how to live as Christians in this world and also not just to live, but to live in the freedom that we've obtained through what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. All right? So this letter was written to a group of people, churches, Christians, in what is now central Turkey, between AD 49 and 58, thereabouts, give or take a few days. Paul was writing to those churches, those Christians, in Galatia, made up of believers that had been saved through faith by believing his gospel message. The good news, the good news is still good news. The good news hasn't changed. There's so much bad news in the world today, isn't there? It's why I don't like to watch the news or listen to the news. I've got the DVR and I can just fast forward it, you know, or just mute it. I love those things. I don't want to hear all the bad news. There's so much of it going on. I want to hear more about the Lord, eh? I want to hear hear the good news. You ever get tired of hearing the good news? If you get tired of hearing the good news, there's a problem. And you're in the wrong place if you get tired of hearing the good news because you're going to hear it every week by the grace of God. The good news, these people, Paul preached the good news that Jesus saves. There's only one way to be saved. It hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. The gospel message hasn't changed. That's the only way to be saved. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man or woman or child can come to the Father, God the Father, except through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? So these churches in Turkey, and the church is not just a building. Some people say this is a shed for the sheep. You're either a sheep or a goat. What are you? I know what I am, but I'm a sheep. Don't all go, meh. I'd sooner be a sheep than a goat. I used to be a goat, but now I'm a sheep. Thank God I'm a sheep. I'm part of God's flock, amen? Oh, Lord. These Christians in Turkey, the churches that Paul established very different culturally and a very different uh, religious setting compared with the other churches that he planted, especially in Greece, totally different culture, still is. Paul established those through the preaching of the word. Plus, they'd been influenced by some religious zealots, namely Jews, that tried to convince these believers, these new converts, that they must conform to the old covenant in every way, shape, and form. All the customs and all the rigmarole that had to be done in the Old Testament. They're telling them, and they were teaching them, you need to go back to the old covenant. But they had already been brought into the freedom in Christ, and they're part of the new covenant. 
So there was some confusion going on in their minds and thinking, and they were told they need to follow the old Mosaic law, the old covenant. Now, after his initial greeting, Paul refers to Jesus Christ. Don't forget I'm doing an overview of the book of Galatians. He said, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age. So times haven't changed very much, have they? It's not much different back then, and people haven't changed very much either. The theme of this letter is freedom, freedom for believers in Christ, having received him as their personal savior. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So that we, we have a lot to be thankful for. We, we have a lot to rejoice about. Remember that. There's a major problem that Paul encountered, and he had to point it out in this letter, that was going on in those Galatian churches. He said they were turning from the true gospel to a different gospel, and they weren't going in the right direction. This so-called gospel required that those Gentile-believing Christians were supposed to live like the Jews by following all of the customs written in the Old Testament. So in order to show the difference between the new gospel, the true gospel, and that different gospel, which isn't truly a gospel, they had to teach them their position in Christ now and what the new covenant is compared to the old covenant, what the new testament is compared to the old testament. And don't get me wrong, the old testament is good, it's holy. The Ten Commandments is God's word. And, but you can't keep any of them. We've broken all of them, and that was the purpose that God gave the commandments to the Jewish people, to Israel. We look into those commandments, and it shows us that we fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. Amen? It shows us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And then he came, Jesus Christ, and there's only one. We don't have to go back to conform to all those customs and religious practices that were given to the people of Israel. We don't worship the Lord on a Saturday, do we? We're in a new covenant now. Jesus rose again from the dead on the first day of the week. The church was established on the first day of the week, which is a Sunday, all right? So there's a difference between truth and error, and Paul was trying to point these things out because they were being convinced that the people that were coming in, these Judaizers, these religious zealots, and they may have meant well, like the apostle Paul meant well, when he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians and kill them. He thought he was doing God a favor. He was deceived, but he was a very, very, very religious man. As touching the law, the old covenant, perfect. But that, the old covenant's not going to save you. The Old Testament, the old people that were saved in the Old Testament, they believed the promises of God, not by keeping the law, because no one can keep it. Jesus said, if you commit adultery in your heart, you've already committed it. You don't have to go through the act. You've already committed it in your heart. And the Old Testament said, well, you've got to commit the thing in order to call it a sin. No, Jesus said it is a sin just by thinking about it. You go into a candy store. No, you wouldn't do that as a child like I did. We came from school, got off the school bus. We had to go buy the candy shop. We call them sweets. 
and they've got all these different candies, you know, at eye level when you're a child to entice you not to buy, but to steal. And why one friend would be distracting the shopkeeper, little Jimmy would be helping himself to the candy. It's all free, it's all free. So you don't have to go through the, the act of stealing. If you think about doing it, Jesus said, you've already done it in your heart. You've already committed the sin. So there's a greater responsibility for believers, isn't there? To live a holy life. How can we do that? This is what Paul is going to explain in the book of Galatians. This is what we're going to learn about. How to walk in the Spirit. How to be led by the Spirit of God. How to be controlled by the Spirit of God. So it's very, very practical. Yes, very practical. He explains to them, now, look, you've been delivered from the bondage of the law. He said that you are no longer slaves, but children of God. See, we've been brought into a new covenant, a new relationship through Jesus Christ. But they, many of them were being deceived by trying to follow the law of Moses rather than rely on the Holy Spirit, which was, in effect, a return to the bondage of slavery. He said, you're no longer slaves now, you're children of God. Thank God we are. He writes, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Only Jesus can set us free from the bondage of sin, Satan, and eternal damnation. Oh, we better be praising the Lord every day. We better be thanking the Lord every day. We've been saved from sin, from Satan, and eternal damnation. I should hear an amen, at least. My goodness, you're a bit late. For freedom, Christ has set us free. This is where we stand. This is our position in Christ now. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Don't go back. Your position in Christ has already been established, having received Jesus. Of course, that doesn't mean because we're free... That doesn't mean we can do whatever we please by gratifying our old sinful nature, our old sinful desires. No, 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 no. Quite the opposite, in fact. He says now that we have the Spirit of God living in us, having received Jesus, being born again, that enables the Holy Spirit not only to teach us, but also help us to live out the Christian faith every day. He helps us. He is the comforter. Amen. He is the teacher. He is God the Holy Spirit. Believers who are led by the Holy Spirit, we don't have to function in the flesh anymore. We don't have to obey the old sinful nature, the old sinful desires anymore. By walking in the Spirit, we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit, as long as we yield to him, we can either yield to the old nature, which is carnal, or we can yield to the new nature in us and live holy lives. That's the only way we can, by walking in the Spirit, by living in the Spirit, by being led by the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit. That's the only way. We can keep the commandments, but not in our own flesh, not in our own willpower. It has to be done through the Holy Spirit that works in and through us as we yield to him on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, at work in a believer's heart can produce good fruit. You know, there may be times 
And I'm sure they were, like when little Jimmy used to steal that candy. He wasn't producing good fruit, but then Jimmy didn't have the power to prevent himself from doing it. The temptation was too strong, and those candies tasted real good. We can now produce good fruit that cultivates the attributes of God in us over a course of time. We don't instantly become perfect. As far as God is concerned, he sees us perfect because he sees his son in us. But then he wants to chip away some of those old bad habits and those ungodly things that are opposed to God. And he wants to form in it like a beautiful diamond. You know, he's going to take that rough diamond and he's going to use different methods to start chipping away until we are more conformed to the image of his son who is perfect. And one day we will be. So we're never going to be perfect in this world, are we? Never. But over a period of time, there's a thing called progressive sanctification. When you first get saved, you are set apart. You are sanctified. You become a saint, in other words, all right? Sinners become saints. You're no longer sinners. You may sin, you will sin, but that doesn't make you a sinner. You have become a saint, but it doesn't end there. The Holy Spirit in us is in the process of conforming us to the image of his son. That takes time. Now, some of you may have already reached perfection. I'd like to, I'd like to meet you afterwards and I've never met anyone who's perfect yet, and uh, we never will be until, so don't beat yourselves up. You won't be until we meet the Lord face to face, all right? Great, wonderful thing we read this morning. He will remember our sins no more. It's done. They're washed away. It's a done deal. He did it on the cross, on the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I am happy. I am happy. Are you happy? Are you happy? It's not happiness isn't determined on what happens. It's determined what happened at the cross and where we placed our faith. Amen? I'm almost finished. So, we're, you know, it's progressive sanctification. In every area of life, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we can demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. And Paul will explain what they are. And Lord willing, so will I. Once we've received Jesus Christ, we can demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. But just as long as we yield to the Holy Spirit, that's a choice that we have to make every day. In the latter part of uh, his letter to the Galatians, the Christians there, he teaches how we should care for one another to care for other people in practical ways rather than live selfishly. That's our tendency, to live selfishly. That, that's just part of the old carnal nature, to live for self. But now we're in the new covenant, having been changed. Christians are able to labor for the common good of other people, not just the people within the church building, but also those that are outside that do not attend churches, the unsaved, for their common good. He ends his letter, reminded them that the very core of a believer's faith is the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. That's the very essence, the very core of the believer's faith. The cross of Christ. Not that wooden thing, but what Jesus accomplished on that cross. 
He says, may I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to boast? You want to brag about something? Brag about what Jesus did on that cross and what he accomplished. By which the world has been crucified to me. It's dead. As far as I'm concerned, it's not worth, as the Americans say, a hill of beans. I've never seen a hill of beans, but I know what they mean. In fact, it calls it dung. Dung. You know what dung is? Say no more. The world has been crucified to me. You know, I, 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 I try to, you know, when mi mixing with unbelievers, I try to be as pleasant as I can, and hopefully I try to uh, get round to the subject of the Lord Jesus. I really don't have a lot in common with them anymore. I find it difficult to make conversation with them because there's really nothing to talk about that's of any uh, significance and any meaning. Sorry, I'm not saying they're in any, I, don't, I believe that they're in any way inferior to me or I'm better than they are, no. See, once you hang out with Christians, and hopefully we should be talking about the Lord, amen? The rest is dung, it's garbage, it's rubbish. It's all gonna get burned up, it's all gonna get burned up. So, faith in Jesus is not only believing certain facts about his life, his death and his resurrection, when we get saved, but also about dying to self and living for him. That's what we should be doing. Dying to self, the old self, the old carnal, sinful nature, and living for God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can now share our faith. Chuck and I went up to Northfield for a motorcycle ride yesterday. What did we do, about 50 miles round trip? 55, there you go. Is that one, is that round trip? Okay, we did a 55-mile round trip. We ended up in Northfield, and it was a, another motorcyclist now, an older fella. And, you know, we were talking about bikes, and we were talking about this. And he talked about a friend that had died and died in a motorcycle accident. Yes, he did. The car backed out when he was going along the road, and it killed him. Been riding bikes for years and years and years. And I was able to share the gospel with him and invite him to church. Whether he will come, that's his choice. That's his choice. But we're able to share our faith. And look what Jesus has done for me. And if you're not sure how to approach people, you say, what's the best thing that's ever happened in your life? And they'll tell you, well, you know, I got married, or I, I got a new motorcycle, or whatever it is, you know. And then you say, well, do you want to hear the best thing that's ever happened to me? And, you know, to be polite, most of them do not say no. But what can they say? You've already committed them, you know, you've already got their story. And they don't really care, what, you know, the best thing that's ever happened to you, but you can tell them, you know. I became a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ who loved me and died for me, and I received him as my personal savior, and my life has never been the same since. And I'm so content and happy, and I know where I'm going when I die, and most of them don't. But you can say, I'm convinced, and I know that when I leave this world, I am going to heaven, not because I deserve it, but because of what he did on the cross. It's that simple, but we need to share our faith for those that do not have any. It only takes a little bit of faith to believe. Jesus said, you only need a bit, size of a mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed? Some of you lady cooks here. Not very big, I don't think. Can't be. So you only need that much. Are they willing to believe that much? Come on. Are you willing to believe that much? don't need a great deal that much in what Jesus has already done on the cross. 
put your faith in what Jesus has already done on the cross. He said, it is finished. He did it. It's a done deal. Now believe it, wherever you are listening to this message. Believe it by faith. The Christian life is all based on faith from start to finish. From the moment you receive Jesus to the time that you close your eyes in death and you take your last breath. We have to live by faith and not by sight. Faith that works in our life produces good fruit, loving actions, because the Spirit of God can help us become more like Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus, God and Jesus is, the, is one. God is love. And once you receive Jesus, you receive the love of God. And we're able to share that with other people now, both in word and deed. If we don't see the fruit of faith demonstrated out of the confines of the church building, then we're not functioning according to the freedom that we've received through faith in Jesus Christ. But we do have the ability to be more like Christ because we have the power of God the Holy Spirit living within us. It's remarkable that God lives in us. Have you ever thought about that? When was the last time? We have God living in us. So let's not quench the Holy Spirit. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we have, then we need to ask for forgiveness for that and move on by faith. Let me close with this verse. Galatians chapter 2, 19b through 20. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in this mortal body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There, that's all there in a nutshell. Simple, isn't it? Let's close in prayer. Father, again, so wonderful to know you. You're, you are wonderful. And we're just in awe of your love and how you deal with us as sons and daughters and how you brought us into a new relationship, not because we deserved it, but because you revealed yourself to us, you called us, and having received faith in your Son, your only begotten Son, who came into this world to pay the penalty for our sins, you convinced us that that's what he did on our behalf because we're sinners by nature. We're born in sin. And unless we receive the Son of God who gives life, then we are dead, spiritually dead, in trespasses and sins. And we'll end up in eternity in our trespasses and sins. But those of you that are listening to this message today, you don't have to go and be separated from God for all eternity. You can go to heaven. Jesus has made a way. He has prepared a place for you. He's prepared a mansion if you'd only trust him. By faith, believe who he is and what he's done on your behalf. A sinner that could not save themselves. He did it all. He shed his sinless blood. He took the punishment that you deserve, that you don't have to bear the punishment, the wrath of God that abides on you. He paid the price. He did it all. He shed his blood for you. He took the penalty. He paid the price. Believe it and receive him. Believe in your heart.
that Jesus is Lord, that he was buried, and that God raised him from the dead and confess it with your mouth, then you shall be saved. And then live for him, live for him. And I hope you will. As for the rest of us, we anticipate, Lord, this new book that we'll be studying. And we ask for your guidance and help us to live practically in this world, yield to the Holy Spirit, and not grieve him. But when we do, we choose to sin. We choose to yield to temptation. Forgive us. We can confess our sins, and then you're faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then move on by faith until you take us home and share that faith with others so they too can be brought in to the family of God as we are. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine, For Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.